This is the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, episode number 24. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. On the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on-duty law enforcement officers, giving you both angles of discussion. Today... I'm going to be joined by Rob Beckman from the Firearms Trainers Podcast. Another podcast on the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. Today we're going to talk about three things the concealed carriers wished cops knew. But first, let's talk sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Every serious shooter should have a shot timer to measure speed along with accuracy on the range. The new Range Tech Bluetooth Timer is the most affordable, most high-tech, and most feature-rich timer on the market. $25 less than any competing shot timer, the Range Tech Timer connects to your phone via Bluetooth and gives you the accuracy and power of a dedicated shot timer. Along with the advantages of online sco- storage, online storage, auto scoring, and much, much more. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Also, proud to announce we've got CCW Safe on board as a sponsor. And we've been given the opportunity to offer you 10% off of your legal service subscription membership. Go to ccwsafe.com forward slash off duty 10. Redeem your 10% discount on your membership. Any one of the tiers of membership. Also, EDC Belt Co. Because, hey, you're talking to the guy, right? It's the most functional, comfortable, concealed carry belt on the market. They're available at edcbeltco.com. EDC Belt co.com all right let's bring in our guest rob beckman welcome to the podcast rob i've been meaning to have you on for a minute because you've been gracious enough to have me on yours like what three times now and i've been a bit back but we had three really good topics though too so <laughs> I, you know i appreciate you coming on mine and i i greatly appreciate you uh, inviting me to come on yours because i think as we were talking in the pre-show I got, I got some interesting things that people might want to think about, you know, from a civilian standpoint and getting the, um, you know, the law enforcement perspective also on it. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, you know, I, I kind of think like law enforcement officers, we get into kind of a bubble, you know, like we're, and, and I don't mean that like we're ostracized from society, but we get kind of in this bubble of training and our perception of things and, as I've stepped off into the civilian training circles, what you, what you see is there's a lot of, there's a lot more similarities in mindset and like-mindedness than there is differences, but, but there is one of the things I think I I, I point out to my students a lot of times, 90% of the people you deal with from law enforcement standpoint are criminals. And I mean, you get called to, in a convenience store, you know, that's being held up. Uh, you go, you know, you go along and you get, you know, if you, you run a license plate and you find out they've got a felony warrant on them. So you got to, you know, pull them over, you know, all those kind of things is in a, in a, in the 
daily life of a police officer they've got to deal with. You know, they get called to, you know, a domestic dispute, you know, all these different kinds of things. And that's where when, you know, people are like, well, you know, I'm a good upstanding citizen. I remind people, it's like, keep in mind, 90% of, you know, who that officers dealt with that day have been criminals. And if you're the only upstanding citizen, you know, you're, you're going to be oddity for it. And I think that's where your uh, reference as far as being in a bubble really comes in because you do get used to, you know, show me your hands, you know, no sudden movements, you know, all those kind of things we're used to seeing on, on TV and, and, um, around but at the same time you know if i'm a good guy i don't really think i should do that because i'm a good guy but i correct people a lot of times tell them because one of the biggest ones that i always hear people talking about or you know planning for is what are they going to do when they get pulled over on the side of the road yeah and they're carrying yeah that's that one comes up quite a bit even with people that aren't carrying which is kind of a unique thing but back to your original point about you know, we deal with the worst of humanity every day. I have yet to respond to a call where somebody calls 911 and says, well, I just made this great pot of coffee and I thought maybe a cop would want to come by for it. It's always somebody's worst day. I, mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for that call. If you're out there listening and I happen to be working your area, I do like coffee. So, Oh, I was going to say, I mean, you know, being pulled over, you know, that's one of the stressfulest times. And also when you look at the statistics, it's the one area to where police officers get hurt the most, not only from the person they get pulled over with, but other, other vehicles that are traveling on the road come a little too close to it. They get hit different things like that. So, you know, every, you know, their, their blood's, you know, definitely pumping when, you know, they come up the side of the car and that's where, um, you know, what I tell people all the time is no matter how innocent you feel you are, Keep in mind that nothing you're not going to win anything on the side of the road if you get into a confrontation with a police officer. You know, from the cop perspective, I think a lot of people miss the whole the traffic enforcement thing, right? Like there is a million and one considerations going on before we even walk up to your window. You know, how is the car positioned? How far am I away? Am I too close? Am I too far? How's the traffic flow here? Do I need to get up on the embankment to get it, you know, and another thing that a lot of people don't know, the way that we position our car has nothing to do with tactical gunfighting position now on certain that, yeah, in certain aspects, but most of it is to protect you in front of us in case our car gets hit and travels into yours. And people lose sight of that. They go, well, why are you parking way up here? And you're all, you're at an angle. Why don't you just, you see on the movies, they pull right up behind the car and that's not what happens. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things going on and your stress level is immediately high. That was probably my last, my last two years in a police car. The most stress that I had it, outside of responding to a priority call even was deciding to make a traffic stop that even for a at the time 14 15 years in in police work my state of awareness is almost in the red as soon as the lights click on because mm-hmm. we're operating a radio we're calling tags we're waiting for information before we even walk up to talk to you so yeah if you're carrying a gun if you're a concealed carrier one, you have to abide by the laws of your state. In Oklahoma, it says you have to make the officer aware, immediately aware that you are a permitted concealed carrier, right? So you get your permit and you have mm-hmm. you have to disclose that. 
And people, a lot of times go, well, how do you do that? And I said, well, what's the first thing they're going to ask you for your driver's license, right? Make sure you're, you're operating a vehicle in the parameters of the, of the, the ordinance, right? Mm -hmm. So take your permit card and stick it behind your driver's license. So when you pull it out, they all come in one and then you kind of do it like a deck of cards, hand that over to the officer. And most of the time when I encountered that, I looked at it and went, Oh, okay. You carrying today. Oh, cool. I'll be right back with you. You know, you keep your, (laughs) you keep your gun holstered and I'll keep mine holstered and we'll get on about business, Mm -hmm. you know, because most cops understand that. And I don't mean to generalize too much, but if you've gone through the permit process, you probably don't have criminal intent in mind by doing all the paperwork and background and fingerprints and all the hoops and hurdles that you have to go through to obtain that permit. So for for me, a lot of people say, Oh man, if I know somebody's got a gun, it makes my, you know, it makes my stress level go up. And I, I say for me, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. That, that person is made strides to be an even more law abiding citizen. So not that I let my guard down, but I don't have the, the same level of fear that I would any other time. So you go, you go from a dark red alert to a light red alert yes. about what's going on until you figure every, everything that's, that's happening. And that's where, you know, there, you know, there are some bad traffic stops that happen from time to time. They're mm-hmm. the ones that always get in the news and different things. And I know I've had students that ask me, you know, well, you know, what can I do during that? And it's like, quite honestly, keep one thing in mind, you know, he's, he always he's got to do is press his button and you're going to have a party on the side of the road and you're going to, you're going to be the, the main attraction for the, for the party on the side of the road. So, you know, take notes, go along, you know, videotape it if you can record it on, you know, sound on it, do it, do those kind of things. But at the same time, be polite, file, file a complaint afterwards, but you're there. You're not going to win an argument on the side of the road. If, if it comes to that. Yeah. And, uh, when I hired into law enforcement, the, the video and audio thing wasn't, it wasn't a thing. The ball, uh, I would venture to say that if you're in any metropolitan area or, or largely populated suburb, most likely the officer is going to be recording the incident as well. So in my early era, if somebody, well, I'm recording this, you, you know, you might get a little offended, but nowadays it's like, eh, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'm not supposed to be. So here you go. Um, and you're going to record how many other places, you know, from the convenience store to, you know, people's doorbells and at their house and everything else like that, you know, recording you as you're walking up and down the street. I mean, it seems like our entire lives, a lot of times are being, are being recorded 1984 anyone Uh, i mean it's it's just a thing now so that the a number one thing i would tell people is drawing a gun from your strong side and carrying a wallet on your strong side they look very similar in the middle of the night under you know eight million lumens of light so the best Mm -hmm. the best course of action and i i tell this to my parents my you know my friends, family is just stay like, if your hands are on the wheel, just leave them there, roll your window Mm -hmm. down, be polite. And and things will, things will transpire the way they're going to it, which, you know, you're either going to get cited or you're going to get, you know, a a stern verbal warning and released, maybe a 
I'll give you an example of one time uh, I saw a guy, you remember the old gas caps that had the keys in them? Yeah. I see a I gas. Those still. I see a gas door open and a set of house keys on it. And I'm like, well, I, what am I going to wave at this dude? No, nah, I turned my emergency equipment on said, Hey, I, I'm out on a traffic stop over here. And I, I walked over and pulled the guy's keys out and he was freaking out. And I just handed him his keys back and I said, Hey, you didn't do anything wrong, but you know, I don't want you to have to call a locksmith. So here, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it, so sometimes there's things that are just innocuous that, that, that can get taken out of context. Um, you know, most of the people I see that have a real fear of, uh, being pulled over by the police, it tends to fire uh, like center around, well, it's nighttime and I'm driving across town and now there's all this, these lights. And I go, well, the lights aren't just for the cop. They're for you too. Because, uh, mm-hmm. the more lit up the area is the less chance that somebody's going to come piling into you, uh, or, you know, <laughs> it's, yep, exactly. it's just a the way that we not only protect ourselves, but protect the people that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're engaged with. So what's, what's your opinion? Cause one of the things I tell my students and this kind of, uh, I started adopting this after the Flando Castile, um, incident up in, um, Minnesota is whatever you're told to repeat it back to them. Because in some cases, um, you have got multiple officers and, or you may not have understood things properly. And before you start, you know, going for a wallet or, or moving or doing different things like that. Keep your hands on the wheel, but then repeat, okay, you want my wallet. My wallet's my left pocket. So I'm going to pull my wallet out. So they understand what you're doing and anybody else around also will hear what, what's going on. What, yeah. What's your opinions about that? I think, uh, you know, especially when it comes to that incident, when I, when I, and I've watched the, the body camera footage and, and things like that, um, a little bit of due caution, from both parties probably could have avoided that. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I I've not read well enough into the incident to see, you know, if there was intent or there was some other factor there, but typically but he was also high on drugs too. So that probably well, <laughs> didn't help out the decision-making yeah. process. See, I, I didn't know that, but, uh, but in general, and I mean, like I said, it, it, it's hard to generalize just like traffic encounters, but in general, it's like most of the concealed carriers of sound mind, if the gun is on their person, they will generally tell you. And if not, most of the time, the officer is going to say, okay, you've got a, you've got a concealed carry permit. You're carrying a gun. Where is it at? And if you say it's on my right hip while your hands are on the wheel and you go, where's your wallet and your ID at? And they go, it's in my back pocket. Well, I may position myself a little bit different so that I can kind of get a view on where your hands are going, et cetera. And I'm going to go, okay, do me a favor while I've got my flashlight pointed directly into your car and your eyes and all that reach into your back pocket and just, just pull your ID out for me. And, uh, any cops out there listening, if you do spot a gun in their holster and you go, Oh, Hey, nice SIG, cool. Or, or bread or glot, whatever, you know, you can kind of diffuse that situation just by making some casual mm-hmm. conversation. And I've had that encounter. I can't tell you how many times, Oh, Hey, what, what you don't have to pull it out, but what, what are you carrying? 
Oh, okay, cool. What, what you know? Yeah, is that a Galco holster? Yeah, exactly. Or one of the crossbreeds, you know, something else like that. Because hey, you might learn something. Well, you know, at the same time and defuse the situation. It's it's it is mentally disarming, and uh, I'll give you a quick example of you know when I was in North Carolina, uh, off post at the time, I could carry without a permit, and I did. Um, and I always had a cool at that time magazine bands on. So I always had a cool 1911 with me. Right. And I got out of more tickets because I would have that thing in a holster. And as long as it was open and you could see it within reason, I was perfectly legal to carry it and loaded and all that. And inevitably cop would pull me over and go, what's that on the seat? And I'd be like, Oh, well, that's a Lou Horton package Springfield 1911 with that. Oh man, that's cool. And I'm like, and the next thing you know, you're engaged in a friendly conversation and not a confrontation. And, uh, you know, and I had probably two or three times that happened and I never got cited because there was some common ground there. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I think a lot of police officers, it's really hard to teach just be an extension of yourself within the confines of your job, meaning, you know, it's okay to have a friendly conversation with somebody, even if you're ultimately going to cite them. And, uh, and that's a very hard thing to teach. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, I, I would mention, I would probably imagine that probably at some point you've got to understand the, the context, you know, if yeah. I'm, if I'm doing 15 over the speed limit, you know, you probably would want to go along and write a ticket for it. But if I tell you that, Hey, my wife is in labor in the back seat, or, you know, I'm trying to get to the hospital because my wife's in labor or something else like that. There might be a little bit of uh, professional judgment there that yeah. comes in to say, okay, you know, we'll, you know, slow it down or, you know, maybe you can follow me to the hospital type of thing. It's hard to teach, especially new cops. It's very hard to teach them to not be in that paramilitaristic zone all the time with their speech and actions and all that. You know, it's a skill that you just, you develop as you start to progress through your career, provided you don't become some grizzled curmudgeon. But, uh, Mm -hmm. as you progress, you learn, oh, these are just people like me too. And, and I'm tasked with this, this job of enforcing ordinance, right. Or, or whatever state law. So it's okay to not use cop jargon all the time and, and have a, a, a communication that bridges some gap with making from going from confrontation to conversation. And now they've had to come up with this new term called de-escalation to kind of quantify what that, that means. And a lot of that is just, you know, Hey, step out of your role as a cop minded thinker for a minute and think about it from the other, the other point of view is the way I've always Mm -hmm. looked at it is, you know, this person's having a bad day right now and you're making their day bad by pulling them over on trade. You're if they are having a bad day, you're making it worse. So there's going to be emotions and high stress and tension and all these things. And the more tools you have in your conversation box to disarm that, the better things go for everybody. So, 
Yeah. And as, uh, you know, concealed carry holders, we also have to go along and, you know, take a step back and, you know, not be confrontational necessarily. You know, you're talking to me, why are you talking to me? Why, you know, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be talking, you know, it's like, no, you've got to really take it a lot easier. And you're like, sorry, you know, I didn't realize, you know, there was a stop sign there or that light turned red, you know, I've been preoccupied with thinking about something else, you know, again, try to try to be a little bit more human and treat, treat yeah. them in a respectful manner too. Yeah. And, and that, that goes both directions. Um, I, I had, uh, <laughs> speaking of, of traffic stops that, that were kind of innocuous. You remember the old bolt on hubcaps, right? I had a guy, he's through a hubcap turn in a corner and it stopped and I run over and pick it up and you know, they're kind of expensive, right? And I pull this dude over and he goes, well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I said, well, I never said you were, but if you want your hubcap back, I got it right here. And all of a sudden he's like, oh man, I'm really sorry. You know, I just, my job, I got a jerk boss and I'm like, I can relate, bro. Let's, <laughs> let's move on with life, you know, but uh, they're, they're human too. And that's, and that's one of the things that everybody's got to keep in mind. We're all human. Well, cool. What, what other concerns well, do you wish cops knew? That there's another, another one only, and I ran into this a uh, couple of years ago where I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't carrying in the car, uh-huh. but I was carrying a lot of guns in the car. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of those situations to where, and I'll give you context. I was teaching hunter education and as a hunter ed- education instructor, I'm not allowed to carry concealed um, in the classroom and such because I'm acting in, in, in a official capacity for the state. So the state of Ohio doesn't allow it, but I got pulled over because I was, not paying attention uh, to the speedometer and state trooper came up to me and, you know, he immediately asked me what the guns were all doing in the car. And he also asked me if I had a, con- you know, if I, he wanted to see my concealed carry license, which in, in the state of Ohio, if I'm not carrying, I don't necessarily have to declare it or have to uh, show it. But at the same time as a point of courtesy, because, you know, was, wasn't going to, hurt me to show them. And it was probably going to only delay me if I, if I said, well, that's not state law. I gave him the driver's license, my concealed carry permit, you know, insurance card. So he could look at all that stuff. And then, you know, just like you were saying, after he wrote me the ticket, he went along and we, st- we started talking about the guns I had in the, in the back seat, the shotguns and the rifles. And then also too, he asked me about his 10 year old son, who he was thinking about getting into hunting and wanted to know how to find a hunter education class. Yeah. Yeah, completely like, and I, I think you told me in the pre-show he's, he might have still wrote you a citation, which I I kind of yeah he, he still he still <sighs> wrote one. <laughs> well, I I wish I could clone myself. You know, there's times that I wish uh, you could you could clone in like veteran knowledge into everybody and just go, hey, like everybody's human, dude. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I. I would get in trouble for this, but there is not a cop I've ever met that hasn't violated some traffic ordinance at some point during his shift completely, you know, oblivious to, to actually doing it because, you know, traffic ordinances are written really, it's impossible to do it in a 10 minute drive. It's impossible to obey every single minuscule ordinance to the letter. letter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to have some, got to have a little bit of, uh, of, uh, compassion there at times, but, uh, yeah, but, but in that encounter, having all those guns, did, did it make the situation worse or no, because, uh, because I was confident in that, uh, you know, 
I, I was going too fast. I knew that, but you know, they were cased, they were in the car, uh, they were in the back seat. So, you know, they weren't accessible to me. They weren't loaded. None of those things. So, you know, I knew I was following the law along those lines. And like I said, you know, I didn't necessarily have to give them my concealed carry license, but I still did just out of point of courtesy and hoping, you know, in the back of my mind, maybe he would, um, <clears throat> not write me a ticket <laughs> that didn't go that way for me, but still it's one of those things to where, it could have been a little bit more confrontational, uh, but, you know, be nice about it. Hey, I was speeding. I know that. And he gave me a ticket for it. So, hey, I deserve it. It would be nice if he didn't. But at the same time, I'm a, I'm a big boy and I will, you know, own up, uh, own up to my mistakes. Yeah. And uh, something I convey to friends, family, and everybody else that's, that's not in law enforcement is, you know, your, your exceptional knowledge of the law being, you know, hey, I'm not carrying, so I'm not required to have my permit and all these other things. The side of the highway is not the time to, to play your own lawyer, right? It, that's mm-hmm. because one, it can delay things. And I can tell you firsthand that every cop I've ever known that's on a traffic stop, uh, like your goal is to terminate it and move on with life as expeditiously as you possibly can. Because the longer you're there, the more danger there is to the officer who's in the car behind you. So he's going to get the, he's going to get the rear end accident coming and does. And I've, I've had tons of coworkers that have had that happen where they've gotten hit on a traffic stop. And then not only that, it, it, it threatens you. Somebody hits the cop hard enough. They're going to hit you too. So it's not just the officer that's going yeah, well, I want to be here 20 more minutes. No, it's, that's, that's not the case. We don't want to a inconvenience you any longer than we have to. And B it's just not, it's a risky endeavor from the get go. So, you know, the faster that you can move on the, the safer everything is, you know, speed is your friend or (laughs) I say speed time is not your friend on a traffic stop. So yeah. And I'm, I've had, I've had my car break down twice on the expressway in my lifetime. And the one thing I can remember as I'm sitting there waiting for the tow truck to arrive is even though I'm pulled over far on the shoulder, all those cars passing and the, and the car shakes from yes. the wind. And especially when the semis go past and it's like, yeah, if, um, that would come a little too close. Uh, could definitely, you know, even if they were, you know, I was, they were two, two foot off, off the lane of traffic, but somebody, you know, fell asleep or somebody, you know, was texting, driving, you know, whatever the situation comes down to whatever I'm getting hit by, it's, it's going to, you know, severely, you know, spin me around and do, do things like that. And both times when did, when I did break down, it was in the middle of the winter time. So the option of getting out of the car and like, you know, waiting up on the shoulder, wasn't really a, a, a good option, a good option for me. So, you know, that's one of the notes, notes I took is like, man, this is, uh, can be really dangerous sitting there and just feeling the car shaking every time a car goes or a truck comes flying by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 For a retired officer that was, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, he, he took a, uh, 3,500 pound car at 60 miles an hour to the back of his car and ended up in the hospital for over a month with, you know, some pretty severe injuries. And, was blocking traffic for a minor accident that had happened, uh, just because of the mm-hmm. location and that it was on the high, it was on one of the crosstown highways and he was doing everything right. And the person that hit him 
was doing everything right until right then. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the, the poor guy that hit him, he was pretty severely injured himself, but, uh, had no intent, wasn't impaired. It was just, uh, in the army, we used to call it a HUA moment, not H O O A H an H U A moment. And you can imagine what that acronym stands for, but, uh, kind of a blind corner and bam, next thing you know, two lives are altered forever. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I subscribe to, uh, the police one, uh, newsletter. It comes out yeah. once a day and it gives you a summary of a lot of the, uh, police actions that have happened across the nation. And it's actually surprising that at least once a week you hear about some kind of, uh, uh law enforcement death there, uh, during a traffic stop. And yeah. you go along and realize, and you start realizing just how dangerous a traffic stop can be or traffic as a whole, because, you know, whether you've got, you know, malintentions or not, you're operating a 3,500 to 10,000 pound car, you know, and whatever you hit, it's going to take the brunt of that impact unless it's a brick wall. Right. And those are, those are things that, you know, people got to, got to realize sometimes and physics don't play well when it comes to, you know, 10,000 pounds doing 30 miles an hour, hitting a, you know, 200 pound soft, you know, fleshy kind, kind of skeleton. Yeah. It, it does not work well. Uh, well, I got, I got one other one that I think is uh, pretty common for a lot of uh, concealed carriers, but when I'm carrying and I'm walking around town or something else like that, and I get stopped, what's the best way of interacting, you know, with the police officer, you know, do they like me to say, Hey, I'm, I got a gun or do they want me to kind of let the conversation go and see what the officer, you know, uh, is stopping me for, or, or, or whatever, whatever the situation is. Yeah. And I, I run into that one. Pretty much people that follow me on social media know I'm kind of a guitar buff. So, you know, I, I'll be at the guitar show carrying a pistol and there's millions and millions of dollars of guitars there. And, and, uh, there's always off duty cops always um uh, you know and inevitably there's there's hey there's a line there's this there's that and i kind of you have to kind of default to some common sense judgment there and meaning if you don't have a reason to interact with the officer just don't <laughs> does that make sense like you know walking up and saying hey i got your back i'm carrying a gun that's a good way to have them start uh what we would call you know, a tertiary investigation on your, like, oh, you're carrying a gun. Well, uh, did you see the sign at the door? So you better have some reason that you can carry a gun in here. And now I'm going to inspect mm-hmm. and figure out why you are. So your, your gun's not a passport. It doesn't negate your responsibility to your individual responsibility to carry it, you know, carry it with the, the most utmost caution, et cetera. You know, if you are involved in some kind of incident where you're a witness, that's the big one that, that comes up. Uh, and and I've firsthand seen this one. There's an incident. You've seen it. The police know you've seen it. So now we need to speak to you as a, as a witness. Hey, you just saw these two dudes get in a fight outside of the local mall bar or whatever. And you, you happen to happened upon it in the goings on of your day. Now I've got to, I've got to come in contact with you. The best course of action at that point, if you're not involved in it directly, you're just a witness is to say, 
hey, I, I need to tell you something. I'm a concealed carrier. I'm, I'm carrying a firearm. Calm, cool, mm-hmm. collect, all business, all professional. And, uh, and it's a firearm, not a gun either. A, gun, gun's one of those uh, trigger words. It, it can be, yeah. If the officer says, okay, well, I've got to have you come sit in my car until somebody comes to talk to you or we get a witness statement from you. So I'm going to need to take that from you and secure it in the front seat or, or secure it in my trunk. Your best course of action is to just comply and go, Hey, no mm-hmm. problem. You want me to take it off? You want it? You want to reach over there and take it off? Cool with me. You do your thing. Don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Um, somebody that discloses they're carrying a firearm. Generally that, that kind of negates somebody reading into your intent. Like, Oh, well, you've told me. So obviously now that I know you're, you're, you're not likely to maybe use that against me, but for the time being, I may need to secure that and then get a statement from you. We talk, we're Mm -hmm. buddies and Hey, uh, I might even unload it and give it back to you unloaded and go, Hey, go load that in your car or, you know, at your trunk or somewhere away from this incident. Uh, appreciate you, whatever, but Mm-hmm. You know, or it, I had a situation one night where guy was carrying, observed something happen. It ended up being a big incident that, uh, you know, somebody was severely injured, had to, uh, detain him as a witness for, for a couple of hours. And there was still a lot of people, you know, moving in and about this scene of, of things that had happened. Uh, and I said, man, I, I just need to secure your gun. Not for me. And I played the human side. Hey, it's, it's not for me. It's for, if another officer comes up here and talks to you and doesn't know you're carrying and then sees it, I don't want them to panic. Uh, and then when it was all wrapped up, said and done, I said, man, there's a bunch of people around. I'm going to go get a brown paper sack out of my trunk and I'm going to put your gun and ammo in there and I'm going to hand it to you and send you on your way. Don't pull it out and load it in the parking lot in front of all these other officers that don't know the conversation you and I have had. So a lot of Mm -hmm. context there, right? Multiple officers. A lot of understanding what the other job is, Mm -hmm. you know, because an an officer's got a tough job. You know, he's trying to investigate and trying to figure out, are you involved? You know, are you an accomplice? Are you just a witness? Right. And those are all different things that, you know, they've got to figure out before, you know, at least, at least the initial conversations before they, before they let you go. Yeah. And, uh, and it's nothing personal, you know, And, and I think a lot of people, you know, if I say, Hey man, I need, I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to disarm you temporarily until we can sort all of these things out. Uh, because I think a lot of people, maybe if they've witnessed a crime or an incident or an accident or, or any number of, of things in our daily goings on, what a lot of people lose sight of is one officer does not, is not the all knowing of what's, uh, of an incident of what's, what's mm-hmm. happened, what's transpired. I may just be playing one small piece in that. And that's, you know, something that a lot of people that have ended up in the back of my police car, I go, look, I got told to hold you here because you might be a witness. I know mm-hmm. nothing about what's going on. I'm going to get your information. I'm, I promise you I'll get you, get you on your way as fast as I can. But I don't have all the info. I don't have all the answers. I'll let you listen to the radio and I'll crank the air conditioning. But I can't answer a whole lot. So I'm just, you know, going to put that. And that's the way that I've typically handled those, those types mm-hmm. of incidents. But 
But in your daily goings-on, if you have no reason to approach a cop and tell him you're carrying a firearm, don't, <laughs> you know? Well, I, mean, I always go on and tell people, keep in mind, they got a job to do. Mm-hmm. And if they're pro- providing security at the guitar conference, yeah. guess what? They're sitting there and they're you know, scanning the crowd to see, you know, what kind of funny business might be going on. Is somebody trying to, you know, walk off with something? Is somebody trying to pickpocket people? You know, all these different things that are going on, not to mention, I mean, maybe that maybe there's security for the special guest that's going to be coming on stage there in, in half an hour and they're scoping things out. They've got a job to do. And that's, that's why they're there. And quite frankly, going up to them, trying to ha- have a conversation, a bring, like you said, brings the light on you. Like, you know, okay, why is this person talking to me? You know, is they trying to distract me from something else and B, you know, you go along and the officer, you know, isn't doing what he's kind of there to do. So, you know, you should be going along and saying, I got a job to do now. If I see, you know, somebody sitting down and having a cup of coffee, you know, maybe, you know, go over and, you know, strike up a conversation with them about something. That's one thing, but you know, when they're actually standing there and you can tell that they're, you know, on duty, you know, you know, let them do, do what they're there to do. I've worked a lot of incidents and the, the number one complaint I hear about police officers just from general public is that guy was rude, right? Yeah. You know, well, I, I went to tell that officer something and he was rude and it, throughout my, I mean, it's happened to me and throughout my career, you know, there's been several times that I've had to go, I've had to just walk away from people because of other things that they're not cognizant of. And, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of your average law abiding citizens, when they don't, when they, they expect a response, a nice social cordial response. And you tell them can't talk right now. They take that as kind of a personal attack and it's not, it's I'm watching the guy three rows back from you doing something. And, you know, I've, I've had, I've had a several incidents like that. And my, my phrase personally is I can't talk to you right now. I'll be back with you as soon as I can, as soon as I can get this situation contained. Mm-hmm. And I may not even look you yep. in the eye because I'm fixated on what some guy 15 feet from his hands are doing. Some people get really incensed by, you know, Hey, this happened and this is my emergency. And you have to tell them, it's not that I don't have time for it. It's just that I can't take care of that right now because something more pressing is upon us and I don't have time to explain it to you. That one really comes to the uh, surface during natural disasters. It's like, I've worked a lot of those. It's like, Hey, I'm sorry. Your house got leveled, but that guy's got a compound fracture. So stand over there, but, but wait, you know, so it, which is why, uh, you know, police officers, it's it's a sucky job. It's a great job, but parts of it just suck, you know. So you know, you you were talking about being put in back of a police car until they kind of sort things out. One of the things where I, I was very fortunate on my podcast, I have Tom Tom uh, Yoxall on, and he is the citizen that came to the rescue of the Arizona State Trooper at four a.m. in the morning. Um, you know, who was being bludgeoned to death on the side of the expressway. He had to he had to shoot somebody. Uh, the person who was attacking the state trooper and then he's holding a gun and there's two people that are dead, a state trooper that's near death. And all of a sudden the cavalry's starting showing up and he got stuck into the back of a police car for four hours until they could sort things out. Yeah. And, you know, he says, you know, as I was interviewing him, you know, once they sorted things out, then they were like, Hey, you know, 
what would you like? What, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through drive through McDonald's. You know, we still got some questions for you, but you know, they took the handcuffs off. They, you know, let him, you know, kind of get himself together and things like that. But, you know, until they can sort something, which, you know, that's a very dynamic situation where you got multiple, multiple homicides, you got an officer that that's down to, you know, they're just trying to figure out, you know, what in the heck all happened here. And, you know, that's where people can't take it personally if they go along and want to slap cuffs on you right away, because that seems like the safest thing to do at that moment. Well, I I tell people a lot of times that I've worked scenes, not necessarily an officer down or something to that effect, but, you know, maybe an incident where there's multiple people, multiple witnesses involved. And one of the ways that I diffuse that is I go, hey, I'm going to have to put you in handcuffs temporarily. They, they come off as easy as they go on. So it's nothing personal. I've got to take you to my office. Unfortunately, my office looks like the back of this police car. If I had a mobile office, I would bring it to you and get you a Coke and, you, you know, but, but this is what we got. So, you know, if there's any cops that listen to this, something else that I, I really try to be cognizant of is it's not a comfortable situation. People are nervous. People are scared. They're going into the back of a police car maybe they're in handcuffs is I try to be at least human and go, Hey, if you get hot, say something, I'll turn the air up. If you get cold, say something, I'll turn the heater up, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. sit in there and make yourself come, put your feet on my, on my back seat. I don't, you know, you're not, it's not your mom's house. Don't worry about putting your shoes on the furniture, you know, and try to diffuse some of that, that confrontational element. And if somebody says, man, these cuffs are really tight. I go, give me two seconds and and let's see if we can fix that or maybe get an extra pair out and put on them. And we try to teach those things to new people, but sometimes in those dynamic situations, you might just be uncomfortable for a little bit and it could really suck in the end. Like you said, he was in a police car for four hours and probably handcuffed for the bulk of that four hours. Well, he was four hours and then they still kept him there another five hours. So he, they were investigating him for nine total hours, Yeah, you know, getting his statements, things like that, but four hours and handcuffs, his hands were bloody, you know, his gun was taken from him, you know, back of the police car. He did. I mean, honestly, you know, they put him in the back. He didn't know whether he would, they got the story straight or anything else like that. They could come back and all of a sudden say, we're taking you down to central and you know, we're going to book you. You know, because we, we got from the evidence that you were the person that, you know, shot these people, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. that, and that's where you just got to go along and, uh, you know, kind of understand how the process, how the system works. Yeah. And if they decide to do that, fine, let them go ahead with it because your next call is to, you know, to a lawyer, you know, to, you know, some, something like CCW safe, to right. get their help for it. So they can help get the story straightened out. Right. Depending on where you're at in the country and even to what town you're in the process can vary drastically the process of how they go about investigating it. Fortunately for me, even in a city that's 640 square miles, uh, you know, our, our headquarters and waiting rooms and offices and secure interview, it's a 20 minute drive in any direction from the city limit to mm-hmm. city limit. So generally we're not going to be at the scene any longer with a witness than we have to be. But, and we start eliminating those witnesses like, oh, you were just standing over there. You didn't see anything. Well, as soon as I confirm that you're, I got your name and phone number. See you later. Uh, But, you know, if you're in rural Arizona or New Mexico on the side of a highway, that's a hundred miles in any direction from any type of facility, 
you're probably going to be stuck there a minute. And, mm-hmm. and that, that process can, can change, you know, based on the region, you know, um, based on the state, county, municipality, whatever it's yeah. based on the resources the police officers have. So, yeah, you were talking, you were talking about, you know, uh, varies by uh, jurisdiction. I just saw this come out from the attorney general here in Ohio that we have 88 counties and there, I believe 833 different police, uh, forces within those 88 counties. Wow. Now, when you talk about the variability between being in a township in one area, a sheriff's office, state patrol, you know, all these different variations, you, you know, you immediately realize that just in one county, you could have, you know, on average, 10 different jurisdictions uh, around there. And that's not even counting, you know, say like a federal you know, a U.S. Marshal, something along those lines, which again, they've got jurisdiction, you know, all over, all over the state and it starts compounding things. And that's where being polite, considerate and taking a little bit of um, understanding about what, what the officers got to go through in order to, uh, you know, do their job properly. And let's put it this way. Police officers are going to, are trying to catch the bad guys and trying not to inconvenience the good guys. But at times, that's not always clear until, you know, sometime later, and then they let the good guys go and prosecute the bad guys. That's uh, <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> it's simple, <laughs> but it's not easy. This has spanned uh, quite a bit of good information. Is there any final mm-hmm. thoughts you've got for uh, the off-duty, on-duty podcast? I'm glad I had you on, man, because this, this is all stuff I've wanted to talk about for a while, so. Well, the the one thing that I, I would say and, and uh, something that everybody's got to realize is like for the concealed carriers, um, when I'm teaching classes, I come out and I tell them 80% of what you know about guns is wrong. And the reason I tell them that is because most of what people think, you know, guns are going to are going to do are from the movies and TVs. You know what I mean? You know, let's put it this way. Everybody can, everybody seen Die Hard to where Bruce Willis dives across the table and with three shots goes along, hits three guys, you know, square right, right in the head, you know, without a problem, he lands, he's barely got a scratch on him. You know, those types of things, that's not reality. And that's where you've really got to understand the reality of caring. It has a lot of responsibility to go along with it. And then at the same time, you know, what you think about from a law enforcement officer standpoint to where, you know, they should do this, this, and this. Well, they're human too. They have good days, and bad days, and they may have just came from a, a horrible child abuse situation and got, and then they're pulling you over on the side of the road. Now, how, you know, how happy are they going to be when you're going to go, want to go along and start having an argument on the side of the road? And right. let's put it this way. Officer has a very large bag of tools that they can do. You know, they can go along and give you a ticket for, you know, speeding, you know, they can give you a warning for it. They can also go along, pull you out of the car search the car, you know, bring the, bring the, the narcotics dog, you know, they can do all this other kind of stuff and just drag the things out longer and longer. And why would they do that? Well, if you're being a jerk to them, guess what? A lot of criminals are jerks to them too, which is one of those things where they're like, huh, maybe this, this innocent, you know, little old grandma isn't as innocent and we should go along and do a little bit more investigation. That's where, in my opinion, people don't go along and realize, you know, the police are, same or same people like you and me, they put their pants on one leg at a time every morning. We have a saying in law enforcement, criminals talk their way into jail more than anybody else. Pretty startling really when uh when you understand what that means that they literally talk their way 
into incarceration. And generally, mm-hmm. it's it's either arrogance or, well, I know the law better than you do. Oh, really? Why is that? Oh, I see you've been in the penitentiary the last nine years, and you've gotten your penitentiary law degree. Well, that warrants a little a little further investigation. You know, why are you on the street at three o'clock in the morning? Does anybody you know live here? You know, and it just spirals. And it's, yep. uh, I, I'm not trying to give out too many trade secrets, but uh, <laughs> there's probably not too many criminals subscribing to the podcast. Hopefully, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, back to what you said. You want to talk about bad days, 2014. You know, you just tugged at my heartstrings, child abuse, right? I worked the I worked the area that we had the child ER for eleven solid years, off and on, working that area, and it was weekly working a child abuse case and and mm-hmm. being the first person on the scene. So I've got that, and that's there's a lot of baggage with that. Uh, I've got I, I'm going through a divorce. You know, I'm I'm sleeping in my parents spare bedroom and i'm 35 years old and i'm like what could what could make this day worse and i walk out of the hospital and two cars crash right in front of me and i go oh shouldn't ask the universe that question because there's another hour and a half of paperwork we're human too and we we feel the same feels and well, all right, Rob. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate you being on my show, the Off Duty On Duty podcast. Uh, man, it's been like like two years we've been bouncing back and forth, and finally, uh, you know, got to hook up. So, thanks again, Rob. If you if if you get a chance, check out his podcast, Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. If you're not tired of hearing me talk, you can go over there and I've, I've done like three episodes with him and the most recent one being, uh, you know, how do we, how do we train with limited ammunition and how do we cut our, our class round count down and still give you the training. So check that out. Also our sponsors, a reminder, check out our sponsors. This week is uh range tech Bluetooth shot timers. Check them out at rangetechtimer.com, EDC Belt Company always at edcbeltco.com and CCW Safe, our most recent sponsor to the podcast, CCW Safe. And we can offer you a 10% discount off your membership, ccwsafe.com forward slash off duty 10. And of course, the links are always in the show notes. Reminder, Subscribe to our podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and most of the other places that people listen to podcasts. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not 
liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.